This is the Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 51, Death Part 2. Beginning 
Or a living monstrosity, freak for life, you'll always be. Never yeah. knowing or never knowing love or hate, only pain the drug creates. I don't know. You're, you're doing well. It's like <laughs> freestyle rap here. It's like MC Hammer, yeah. yeah. Requiem Metal Podcast. Uh, welcome. This is Jason. And I'm Mark. And this is Death Part Two. Uh, only the middle. We'll, we'll have to come up with a clever name for yeah, this. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a production name. <laughs> the. Uh, the the humanizing of death, if you will, where they start to uh, death humanizer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Become more socially conscious of uh, non kind of horror non zombie issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's always good when you can categorize yourself in the non zombie oriented issues. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's it's pretty funny. I I, I just had a, a fleeting thought there. My kids the other day there was a zombie reference, and there's apparently a zombie expert in one of my classes, and so we had to like run it past him to know whether or not zombies could. Uh, would he like, read the uh, the zombie? Oh, he's what he's read he all that, but he's he's into like the Waking Dead graphic novels and World War or Walking Z Dead, and, yeah, yeah, Walking Dead and all that sort of stuff. It's pretty funny because he was very like like academic about. It. He's like, well, I don't think they'd be able to do that. So it's, it's clever. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, now zombies are zombies. making a comeback. Uh, Living Monstrosity is not about zombies. Uh, in fact, this is the opening track to Spiritual Healing, the third record from Death, which uh, they put out uh, 1990. Yep. And uh, this is a song actually about, uh, um, what's the, the lyrical content of this all about, Mr. Lyric oh, Man? A, a baby being addicted to cocaine. Yeah, yeah. so the, the crack cocaine, um, crack babies, the the whole like sort of you know late 80s, early 90s kind of persona of, of sort of what the drug culture had become. And, and Some say she's naive, uh, she's a stupid bitch. Some say to forgive, guilty, she should die. Wow. So there's uh, Chuck obviously is letting us know where he falls on the front of not only capital punishment but also like the drug laws. So and abortion and yeah, yeah. So yeah, out of any, it's funny. Out of any like death metal record, it's funny. I've listened to this so many times, and it was like one of the first CDs I actually had uh, when I made the big migration over from tapes. So like all, I actually like read all the lyrics, and I'm I could probably put on the spot probably cool. sing some of them. Cool. Yeah. Quite a few of them. Yeah. I'm kind of that way, I think, with uh, with symbolic and sound of perseverance, because mm-hmm. I was so like deeply into those records. Well, and at, at this age, I was like in 1990. I was probably like 16 years old or something. So, so this stuff seemed really. You were deep unrolling to me. the tape. Yeah, unfolding the, the <laughs> tape out. Remember how long those could get? When oh they yeah. Do the double folds and all this crazy stuff. So, yeah, I, I can. And this is for you a very sentimental record. Obviously, this is sort of your sentimental classic of my first, yeah my first actual uh compact disc that's pretty fancy yeah and uh some say it's you know not not the best death record but i think it's as we talked about in the last death show you know uh what was it, about a month ago or a couple weeks ago now uh it's probably like four four or five weeks ago yeah yeah, yeah if you if you're interested i mean you can listen to these in whatever order you want the death stuff doesn't necessarily matter we're just kind of chronicling the entire career of death because they're yeah. each album 
is almost you know kind of a milestone or at least a uh, a starting point for another genre or subgenre of metal all throughout the you know Chuck's entire career. Sure. And uh, for those of you who didn't you know hear the last record, you know the main figure that we'll be kind of talking about is Chuck Schuldiner, who's sort of the centerpiece of, of death. And uh, if you want more of the backstory, go back uh, to it's probably like episode 47, 46 or forty seven, I think. Something like that, yeah. So, we'll I'll uh, put a link in the in the show notes so you can go back and check yeah. that out as well. So just float around our website, requiemmetal dot com. Sorry. Um it, and uh basically like the thing that's gonna be interesting about this part two uh of the death program is that you're gonna see probably like the biggest um transition take place yeah. amongst these two records because uh, we're going to be featuring spiritual healing and human um, which you know like it, fans I think in hindsight really kind of dig spiritual healing mm-hmm. I think you know and I I think I was raised in that environment too like when I was coming up through metal where spiritual healing was sort of looked down upon kind of well you and if you look at all I mean if you're just a kid in the store looking at covers spiritual healing looks like it could be uh, you know the sister LP to uh, warrant yeah, dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> it's it's that kind of like very eighties looking thrash cover. It's a, it's a pretty awful cover for sure, and I, I've I've come to love it. But well, and and I love <laughs> I love what it represents. You know, like to me, it means a lot more to me than like the zombies. You know, sort of the yeah. the kind of I don't know the televangelist sort of like blood. You know, it's like yeah, it's a guy in his early twenties, finally stuff like that. Yeah, finally yeah. like seeing the world around him for what it is, and not just this. You know, uh, this completely you know foreign made up sure you know sure. kind of thing exactly but you know the the biggest thing like on a tune like living monstrosity is that you know it it starts off it's it's fast it's brutal and you know it, it really kind of links up to what leprosy was doing which is the last record the second record mm-hmm. that uh, death did and then it's sort of that way for like a couple minutes and then when the solos bust out you can tell that you're dealing with something I don't want to say fundamentally completely different, but it's obviously there's been a lot of progress and growth, especially in the playing of Chuck and then in Chuck bringing in a, a new guitar player. James Murphy, yeah. Uh, relatively new to the to the scene, and he'll obviously make a, a pretty big stamp with not only death, but he'll go on to obituary cancer. He was kind of, yeah, he was kind of seemed as like this uberkind of, you know, uh, death metal guitarist is really, you know, kind of virtuoso in the, in the scene when there really wasn't such a thing no. except for and trey and really yeah really. trey was a, he's like a force of nature from from morbid angel but uh james murphy is more of just a very technically f- uh, proficient player he's he's not as uh he doesn't have the feeling that chuck usually has in the solos he's just incredibly technical and he plays a lot of you were noticing like scales type yeah. solo stuff yeah. which we'll we'll hear like when he's doing the solo in uh within the mind it's just basically kind of all scales and things like that but uh you know it's it's a it's a pretty interesting record from a lot of ways and i think it's getting seen through a different light from what i've sort of read up about it is that a lot of fans are kind of like you know this this was critically kind of bashed at the time when it came out mm-hmm. um or bashed in in hindsight comparing it to, to like everybody want to compare it to human 
you know yeah it wasn't as technical enough to to like compare with the human stuff and it wasn't a sort of like brutally traditional kind of classic sounding it's, yeah, it's, leprosy. it's a transition record it's, it's like yeah like my dang bride uh you know what 34 percent complete or whatever it's one of those weird transitional records mm-hmm. that without that record they wouldn't have got to where they they were you know death being the same kind of thing yeah and i mean we were just going back and i was reading a, a interview that i had done with chuck uh, back in like 98 99 when they were on the sound of perseverance tour mm-hmm. um yeah, I asked him what he was gonna play off Spiritual Healing Live and he's kinda like, eh, nothing. You know? Yeah. I and he said actually Living Monstrosity, if he had a room to fit one song in, would be the song he'd play. Did they um, play it or no? No, they okay. didn't play it. But he said, you know, if we had more room and if I was to pick one song of Spiritual Healing to play, it'd be Living Monstrosity. So uh you know, it's it's weird, you know, so even Chuck sees it maybe as a transitional period, but... But the, the whole kind of, didn't the whole era around that record, wasn't there just a lot of... I think, I, and we'll, we'll talk more about upheaval. that later, and I think I think that's probably just bad memories attached to this record, too, I think, and, and yeah. we'll get into some of like the, the weirdness there, but he's uh, filling the band out with uh, the same guys he had on Leprosy in the rhythm section, which is uh, Terry Butler on bass and Bill Andrews on drums, and obviously you're you're starting to hear the limitations musically that these guys sort of had you know and chuck even made a comment about that in the interview that we did and um he said look i but basically i was in a group with like three guys that didn't want to practice and didn't really want to get better they're just happy Um, with what they were doing yeah they were totally like comfortable you know and then butler went on to uh, six feet under didn't he yeah and i think did andrews no we looked that up it was somebody else i think i'm not sure what Andrews was in Massacre, I believe, at yeah, some point. Yeah, all, all three of these guys yeah. are Butler, uh, Butler, Andrews, and Cam Lee. Cam Lee, yeah. So, which we talked about before, but um, you know, lyrically, it's different. You know, like we said, there's a song which we're gonna play next called "Altering the Future," which is definitely about abortion, and then the title track "Spiritual Healing," which is about this hypocrisy that exists within religion, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's a typical theme but that was a theme you would have heard maybe more in like thrash metal not so much death metal yeah so i mean me, even he's, like, he's like like lyrically and cover wise this reminds me of like a sacred reich record well that <laughs> that and also like i think thematically it's it's gonna fit in uh to sort of some of the stuff that metallica was doing from like from Injustice. master of puppets yeah. on and also like that megadeth was doing on i don't mean just musically, I also mean like thematically and lyrically. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Dave Mustaine was always very politically astute, you know, and that yeah. kind of thing. So, you know, Chuck's trying to like, I don't know if he's like self conscious about what it means to be sort of like death metal. And he's kind of like going, ah, uh, I, I need to like, you know, Leprosy and Scream Bloody Gore were great, but I'm like 20. You know, I'm 21 years old now. I'm starting to like get more mature and I want to kind of move in a different sort of direction and take death metal sort of out of its like. I don't know, out of the out of the crypt, you know, and into yeah. like a respectable kind of forum, you know, and and I I really do think that you know Chuck was very comfortable with what he was doing, but in between, say, leprosy, which was eighty eight and in nineteen ninety, spiritual healing, you know, you got to imagine this is when Altars of Madness and Blesser of the Sick have come out. Yeah, you know what I mean, two fundamentally huge records in the Florida death metal scene. Mm-hmm. So I think it's up the ante for Chuck to like you know really break through with his his guitar playing and his singing and, and the compositional well, things yeah, that just, he's doing. Just to kind of you know prove the the genre is valid. I mean as as valid as thrash because this was kind of the the peak of all the you know thrash bands are putting out you know like your seasons in the abyss and uh, um, uh, rust in peace, rust in peace, Death. and yeah, yeah it, it was exactly. just like you know like and then uh, uh, persistence of time from Anthrax. This is kind of the epoch of you know these mm-hmm. really huge thrash records. And I think he was trying to. You know, bring death metal up from just being this kind of goofy little side thing that people, you know, 
kind of some people laughed at some people thought it was sort of like a, a, a car crash scene you know it was like yeah it was just cool a, to stare at for a while but then it's kind of boring yeah the scene you know? nobody thought the scene had any kind of future yeah and I think this was one of the one of the earlier bands that actually tried to you know spread the wings of the genre a little bit to show what is possible mm-hmm. and I think he's limited to do that because of the musicians that are surrounding him on this but I think his dream of wanting to get more into the injustice for all sort of like progginess is you know for those of you who are I would say probably a lot of you out there who are pre- probably already familiar with human, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chuck's going to finally get there, you know, yeah. and, and really start to push the envelope in, in a much huger way. But clearly the dreams alive on this record, it's just, you know, like you said, transitional, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. to sort of fit it all together, but, uh, you know, you're already going to see him start to slow down a little bit in the next song that we play altering the future. It's, it's definitely more slow and kind of plotting and things like that. Even the solo, is is opened up a little bit more than than what he's allowed some of the solos to be you know yeah just prior a flurry of notes before yeah and uh and, and you can already start to hear in my opinion you can hear a lot more progginess on a song like altering the Future. and there's a lot of you hear a lot more of the uh, the middle eastern kind of scales you know sure. thrown into this as well especially like uh the stuff he does like in spiritual healing yeah like kind of in the middle mm-hmm. some of the solos are, are pretty you know pretty awesome so the next two tunes we're going to hear, um, Altering the Future and Spiritual Healing, these, I'd say, are probably the two best-known songs probably on this record. Because they're on the Fate tape, right? Because they were on the Fate <laughs> tape, exactly, and that's why I know them. Those of you who don't remember, yeah, the, it was a, a death best of, the, when did that come out in the, the mid-90s, like 93, 94? actually came out before Individual Thought Patterns, I think. Oh, did it? Yeah, so like 92. Okay, I think because so right yeah, I, I never got it because it didn't have anything different than the albums I already had. Why would so. you? You know, so. it had god awful cover, which I think I talked about last purple. episode. I think it's purple blue or something like that. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> with like, like silhouettes of the band or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's really bad. Uh, it was, I think it was one of those records. Like I think you mentioned, just fulfill a contract, just yeah, to kind of get get done and go somewhere else. Goodbye combat. Uh, but spiritual healing, the the second tune we're going to hear here. This is sort of the... It's the centerpiece of the whole record, first of all. I mean, it's the middle of the record. It's the epic song. It's mm-hmm. it's the longest song, clearly, by three three minutes. Uh, not only the record, the it's 744. So it's almost okay. eight minutes long, and it's really just... Uh, it's the longest thing they've done up to that point. Yeah, and it's... By far. Actually, it'll be the longest thing they do until, I think, the last song on Symbolic, uh, which I, I can't remember what that song's called. Um not Crystal Mountain. It goes Crystal Mountain, Misanthrope, Misanthrope, and then uh, shoot, I can't remember. But anyways, the closing track on uh, Symbolic is is also pretty long, and then basically all of Sound of Perseverance is long. But yeah, um, what's cool about this, and we were mentioning, it, this is the same year that uh, Scott Burns, who produced this record, more Sound Studios. Is this is sort of when like. You know, cause, the, cause of death had come out. Yeah, and there was all this stuff that was starting to kind of come out of Florida, and even Napalm Death from England came over in 1990 to record uh, um, Harmony Corruption. Harmony Corruption, yeah, which was kind of turned out to be more of a death metal record because of that. But it's still, yeah, it, that, that, was, that was almost a great divisor with, with yeah, fans. Exactly, at the time. I love it. I but, thought it's fantastic. Uh, but the the centerpiece of of Harmony Corruption is a song that Napalm always plays like near the end. It's kind of the crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Uh, just suffer the children yeah and suffer the children is like this giant like tantric exercise in like repetitive like 
I don't know, repetitive um, verses and things like this, all building towards Toward the, the, the great huge, Celtic Frost breakdown. Yeah, race. the yeah. huge breakdown. And spiritual healing feels like the same way. It's almost like three and a half, four minutes, all building towards like Chuck's like evil growl and like the practice what you preach, you know, yeah. which like that's you call it the the mosh part you know oh, it's so, like yeah it's almost total release yeah. you know of metal energy this was so. also i think the time that dsp was putting the f scott burns uh stickers or whatever the on cleanliness the back of- and the, the sort <laughs> yeah. of clinical sound was, that was coming out of florida yeah that was that was because kind of burns was also doing like what sepultura at this time you know death obituary napalm death i mean suffocation yeah a lot of that yeah, stuff. i mean just everything was kind of coming out of the, the yeah. more sounds yeah i guess compared to what things are now it, it wasn't corporate or commercial at all but you know for back in the cold black metal scene yeah well and even the cold death metal scene i think you know talking about like bands like incantation that was sort of wanted to reject that clean sound and be like murky and dirty and even autopsy to some extent was yeah. like kind of you know middle finger to all this you know? yeah pretty much that they just wanted to do a lot of drugs i think so. they're just lazy from yeah. all, all everything i've read <laughs> pretty lazy so but anyways, uh, let's let's get to some more spiritual healing here. We've got uh, Altering the Future and then, of course, the aforementioned title track.
spiritual healing and altering the future and uh we're going to kind of close things up here a little bit with spiritual healing in a moment and we're going to play a song which um i don't know i guess i would i would sort of throw out there as being maybe the most uh forward thinking song on the record for some odd reason uh which is within the mind because i guess the you know it has like a real meat and potatoes feel to it for like a lot of the song yeah but then the solo um is is very kind of open improvisational a lot of scaling and different things like that uh it's probably the most progressive thing that they kind of do probably on the whole record in in a way and to me it's very predictive of not only human but but it sounds almost like a demo version of the stuff that you'll hear after human which is individual thought patterns which is a more like kind of it, it it's a record that's see that that record for me just it's just there it's odd. it's good it doesn't it's not one i always want to pull out it's either going to be human or going to be you know symbolic symbolic yeah you're right and you know it's like when i force myself to sit down and get into individual thought patterns i suddenly like i always have these moments of like 
ah, like I get why this record's sweet, but then it's a very, um, and I don't want to talk too much about it, right? It's subtle and it's also like, it's just disconnected energy wise. Like human is like so fast, which we're going to hear in a moment. It's like energetic and just, you know, we've got, um, what is it? Sean Reinhardt? Yeah. Reinhardt on drums. And then we go to Gene Hoglin on individual thought patterns, which he's, you know, totally two different kinds of players. And Sean's got an unbelievable intensity and energy to his playing. Exactly. And Hoglin's more like he's, he's used to bashing. Yeah. And I think Chuck maybe didn't know how to use them. I don't know that kind of thing. And and then he kind of really figures out how to use Hoglin well on symbolic Mm -hmm. where like their, their styles all sort of fit together. So, um, I think maybe part of it's change of personnel. You know, Andy LaRoque. You've got all these guys from just kind of different eras coming in. But no, plus I think LaRoque Chuck only was, played on the record number two or them. Yeah, that's true. But Chuck, <laughs> Chuck was really kind of, I think, thinking consciously on that record of like, um, I think really wanting to be not considered death metal. Yeah. Like, I think that was like his, and I think when you walk in with that thought, it, it kind of like traps you a little bit rather than writing more naturally, which I feel like sure. symbolic and sound of perseverance will come across as like more organic in nature. Mm-hmm. You know, individual thought pattern sounds constructed in a way, you know? But yeah. Anyways, we'll get to that later. I don't want to get, you know, we're getting to part three already, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, a teaser, just a taste within a mind is, is a, it's a cool tune. Uh, and, and we had kind of flirted with the idea. I'm sure we'll disappoint some of the, the hardcore spiritual healing fans. Cause this is the last song we're going to play. Uh, you know, we were going to play Low Life, but then we decided to uh, squeeze in Vacant Planets instead and, and kind of limit the, the the length of the the music down by a few minutes by, by yeah, doing so. get a little more conversation because that's what some of you listeners have said they want more of. A little more talk. A little, you know, <laughs> little less action, I guess. A little less action, a lot more conversation. So, was that the opposite of uh, the Elvis song, right? Which <laughs> is a, a little more... Uh, <laughs> anyways... Um, Within a mind will bleed into uh, a pairing of songs from Human, and uh, we'll just sort of introduce them a little bit with with a couple of the concepts that you'll be kind of listening for. But um, Suicide Machine, in particular, has like a, a real sort of standard drive to it. It's not like um, it's not going to be the most different song that you'll hear on Human. It's, yeah. it's it's very like it's still like kind of in the traditional death metal kind of roots and stuff like that. It's, but yeah, it's, it's really, some. it's really plotting, but it has enough room to, to breathe and swing a little bit. Like yeah. a, a lot of this record does, which is kind of bizarre for a death metal yeah. record to do that. So definitely as you're listening to this, listen to the transition from within a mind to suicide machine. If you've never heard, you know, these death records before and you're kind of unfamiliar, kind of real pay attention to like the use of time signatures and the, the role of the bass and then well, the, also the, 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 drumming, the drumming, yeah. You know? from, from Andrews to, to Reiner, it's like night and day. I, I, I think I think you, you know you you'll hear that sort of thing uh, real real apparently. And if you don't hear it on Suicide Machine, uh, then you got to be kind of deaf or dumb if you don't hear it on the last song. But we play Secret Face, which yeah. is all over the map. So, and uh, we'll talk more about Secret Face, I guess, when we come back and, and kind of the role that human played and why it's so important. So. Uh, enjoy our closing number from Spiritual Healings Within a Mind and, and the introduction of their next phase with Human and Suicide Machine and Secret Face. God! 
All right, that was Secret Face and Suicide Machine from Human. And then, of course, we started things off with Within the Mind. And uh, Human, um, obviously, Mark mentioned before, a different lineup, right? We're talking about... Oh, yeah, about, we've got uh, uh, Paul Masdevil, uh Sean Reinhardt, and uh, Stevie Giorgio. Yeah, maybe these are names. Uh, those of you who are kind of old-school death metal fans or even prog metal fans will, will mm-hmm. kind of be familiar with. Um, the Cynic Crew. Yeah, really, the Cynic Crew. You know, this is kind of half of Cynic has joined death at this point. And then DiGiorgio is what, in uh, Sadus? Sadus, yeah. And uh, DiGiorgio f- will play on this in individual thought patterns. So... Yep, that's it. And then, uh, I mean, DiGiorgio is sort of like a, a hired gun once Sadus kind of takes hiatus The guy kind of just disappeared as far as I know. Who's that, DiGiorgio? Yeah, I haven't really seen him on much of anything. Last thing I can think about him being on was uh, Testament stuff, which was... Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. He was on The Gathering, pretty sure. So that would have been... The Gathering came out right about after the time of... It was 99... Testament the Gathering because Lombardo was on drums. That was quite a few years after Individual Thought Patterns. Yeah, and then there was Sadus like made a comeback like in the early two thousands. I think they like put another record out or something. Yeah, but I don't I don't remember what it what it was like. But anyways, DiGiorgio is sort of known as like the um, he's kind of one of the the jazz bassists kind of he was guys. Like, yeah, one of the first like death metal bassists to play like fretless to to pit, finger pick with his hands and just play like non-conventional kind of like you know steve harris or yeah. uh cliff burton style you mm-hmm. know like that, that sort of approach to, yeah, to bass kind of playing school. you know and with the with the lineup change we also see a change in the death logo yes we lose the spider web the spider the dripping blood and uh i think that's about it We've still got we evil, keep the grim reaper head still got evil skull uh grim reaper head yeah and the evil sickle so uh, but things are obviously progressing, both musically and, and uh, artistically. <laughs> uh, the the covers definitely changed as well. It's very, um, I don't know, it's kind of just got an artsy feel to it more. You could definitely tell it it's almost like looks art, like, death uh, metal like a Carcass Heartwork single. Yeah. Or something. It's, it's got that, it's that weird, you know, hybrid of anatomy with, uh, you know, just like this textured kind of background. It's probably one of my favorite covers of theirs. You sure. And it's, it's definitely a defining, I think when you look at, you, you look at the imagery of like death and the fact that they've sort of simplified their, their logo, it's a little less like teenagey, you know, yeah. like kind of like, you know, horror movie type stuff. They've gone away from the warrant like covers of, of, of old of spiritual healing. To me, it's like what this record sort of speaks is, Classiness uh, all over the place. You know, classy musicians who. This have is the age of like sort you of, know uh, even artistically like when you know Dave McKean was doing Paradise Lost and Mighty Bride covers and we yeah. saw this was kind of the rise of uh, you know computer graphics with with uh, as far as graphic design went for albums too. So this was kind of a big. Everybody could kind of step up to their A game. It wasn't all about paintings anymore. Sure, and uh, it says the artwork's by Rene Mivel, so I bring in a foreign French Friday. artist of some sort. But uh, this is again mastered by Scott Burns. Comes out in '91, and uh, now it's kind of being licensed through Relativity. So I don't know much about Relativity as a record label. Um, I think they were part of Combat for a while, weren't they? Combat, it was Relativity. Combat Relativity. I think. Yeah. I think Combat was more of the like the metal side of Relativity, and I think this was kind of the. I, I could be completely wrong, but this is just my gleaning over the you know years that I've picked up Relativity Records. Uh, so I think they're they're trying to maybe mainstream these guys a little bit more. It was like Atlantic and Megaforce or something. Like yeah, that, I think. And I think there was a, a real conscious attempt to market this record to like kind of a different audience, a more intellectual audience, probably. And I think that's because like what you heard there on Secret Face is you're talking about you know 
uh, a new complexity. You know, this this is like you know after Injustice for All has come out, after Rust in Peace has come out, these sort of like complex like thrash metal like prog masterpieces. Mm-hmm. And I think Chuck's really upping his game, and he's brought in musicians. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Cynic. You know, Cynic a couple years later, and I think ninety two or ninety three are going to put out Focus, which um, you know has gotten a lot of attention along with uh, the first kind of two Atheist records for mm-hmm. kind of introducing you know jazz metal or jazz death metal, you know prog metal kind of stuff to to the masses. Um, and yeah. I know Cynic was a really influential album on myself and, and Grand Corcoon. Yeah, I I hate the record, but it's only because of the vocals. Yeah, because I I, we, I don't know if I talked about this before, but the we had a previous cut of it that had death vocals on it, and then when I got the CD, I was just kind of like, come on, really vocoder through the whole damn thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a definitely one that Mark's never been it's, able to em- embrace. It adds too much of a dream theater element to that record where I can't. I, I just can't get into it. So, and to me, like, I, yeah, we did talk about it when we talked about Obscura uh, yeah. because Obscura did kind the of quote right as yeah. far as my aesthetic. But. Mm-hmm. And um, the funny thing is, is that even though this is so proggy and stuff like that, um, you know, I was looking back in this this interview that we did with Chuck, and Chuck's talking about like how everybody started to accuse him of uh, you know copying what Atheist did, and he he claims like, dude, I don't own Atheist, I wasn't into Atheist, you know. And I, I can almost see that, having gone back and really thought about this record, that I think Chuck really was coming from more of an Injustice for All. A, you know, like, yeah. that that's what was influencing him, not, like, a bunch of his contemporaries in death metal. Like, he was looking to, he was looking way beyond death metal into, like... Well, yeah, and, and Chuck's career follows more of a, an arc, and, and Atheist is pretty much a straight line as far as they've always done this from the get-go. Yeah. This is what they do. Chuck's more of a, it's a, he's like, he's progressing through. That's almost like an obvious next step okay you do the most complex stuff you can on uh you know spiritual healing what's the next step up yeah okay the first like rudimentary thing of you know that i think of with Prague is the stop start yeah stuff you know the really quick uh kind of jarring riffs and stuff like that and then after you get that after you kind of master that thing you go on to the time signature mm-hmm. which they end up actually they kind of do tackle this a little bit on this record yeah they do a lot play. of a lot of time signature sort of yeah. stuff going on on here and I think, you know, maybe, you know, what you could argue, and, and also Chuck also said, look, I wasn't, like, trying to make, like, a jazz record. I don't really listen to much jazz. It's, it wasn't really in my conception. What he wanted to make was a complex metal record, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what you could argue is that I know in the liner notes that, the you know, Reinhardt and, and Masdevil both thank Roger Patterson, who was the dead bassist of Atheist, who was yeah. a, a big influence musically. I'm sure those guys were raised on Atheist. And so... Well, I think they were raised on Atheist and Death. Yeah. And so they're, they're always kind of like, they're you know, bringing, to be in the band. Exactly. And so, like, they're, they're bringing that to the table. And even though Chuck's not an Atheist fan, it's, it's obviously there a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. And um, if you're unfamiliar with Atheist, you know... Go out and, and, and get Unquestionable Presence or, or Peace of Time. And, you know, I mean, those are just great records, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're into or this style to, of music. Or uh, go to, pretty soon after this podcast, they're going to be playing at the, the Maryland Death Fest. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to be seeing them. That should be sweet. It's going to be good. And they time. have the good sense not to put out a new record. They just yes. keep playing their old material like Carcass. That's, That's the way to do it, like yeah. at the gates. Exactly. We don't need a new record. If anything, give us a live record. I can deal with that. I don't want to hear half-assed songs exactly exactly and, and really the last thing atheist gave us with elements was pretty hit or miss it was pretty Oof. pretty rotten record. yeah it's been a long time since i've heard that there's like three or four decent songs the rest is pretty like that's eh. kind of pestilent spheres kind of 
Yeah, but I, I that's that's kind of dissing on Pestilence Spheres a little bit. I think Spheres is a little more interesting. Yeah, I've, it's been listenable. So. 12 or 15 years since I've listened to that yeah. record. <laughs> that's right. It happens. Uh, what you hear, like, it's, it's funny, like, on Suicide Machine, though, and this is why I kind of go back to the fact that I think Chuck really probably wasn't paying any attention to Atheist. You know, there's such a, a, a shortest straw, Metallica, and Justice for All riff. Oh, they're totally right, right in that song, you know. And there's a really swinging rhythm, too, which uh, I don't know if he's kind of like trying to get that from the the whole thrash metal kind of swing and groove or the it, Iron Maiden swing and groove or the... Comp- on the drums or the bass? Just just in general in the rhythm section, the, you know? Yeah, because the drums for me, I mean, it really sounds like old, like Art Blakey, mm-hmm. you know, kind of standard jazz stuff, except instead of just having the, the bass drum hit, you know, every like third note or whatever, he's going like... 160 beats a minute double bass yeah and then just doing this more kind of off time stuff that with the symbol work yeah and, symbol and work stuff and like that and in you know DiGiorgio is obviously you're hearing bass clear for the first time mm-hmm. on this you know like even like the in the build up in Suicide Machine you know the you can hear like it, him slapping a little bit. Yeah, and, and it's pulling. from what I can remember. From I've I've listened to Atheist recently, but the bass never jumped out at me as big as you know everybody was always you know a huge fan of the bass on the record. But what DiGiorgio does on this record, how he plays around notes, he doesn't play along with drums mm-hmm. or anything. It's just really interesting. Like it's just like accenting what's going on. Yeah, and and that was which that is was, very jazz like. Sure, absolutely, and and so I think there's a looseness to the the musical approach to it but yet this by far is the tightest record that chuck's put together yeah i mean every song is there's no song that's over i think four minutes and 20 seconds and it feels like it it feels like there's 10 to 15 more ideas per song than anything you've heard on the previous three records which all had songs like like four or five yeah Yeah. you're not hearing the meat and potatoes stuff so much he's like he kind of cut a lot of the meat and potatoes. Like he gives you enough of the the sort of standard like death riffs mm-hmm. to sort of groove you into the songs, but then he's gonna stop and do like ten time signatures and go do a solo here and then yeah, you know. But it's a very listenable, and that I think that's the part that uh, human doesn't get enough credit for. And we talked about this with Obscura when you're doing a technical death metal record, it's got to be like you got to be able to penetrate it. You well, know, it's got to yeah. You're it's, gonna, like, it's got to have people. equal parts, you know, catchiness, and then like you know a little bit of difficulty to wrap your head around certain ideas. But I mean, music's for the most part is you know it's it's something that you try to find patterns in. If it's completely arbitrary, I mean that unless that's your point. If yeah, you're doing something like, like free like jazz Faust or, something, or something, but uh, Cecil Taylor, you know, something like that. Yeah, but but this is clearly not that. This no. is <laughs> this is a death metal record, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think there's a certain level or a certain there's a certain amount of that that prog nature that that needs to or that's going to be in there. But there's, you've got to have a certain amount of melody. And you got yeah, you got to rein all that about stuff. Song in. structures and you know people don't at this point we weren't really doing like you know nine ten minute long prog death metal opuses or anything. Yeah. This is, way before that pre-opeth <laughs> yeah uh it, it but you know and so like a song like suicide machine is is just a great song mm-hmm. I mean, it's catchy it's sing-along we you know it's well, all it's, the it's things technical, that you want it's also it's like some people could totally like mosh to as well mm-hmm. i mean the, it, it, the record works on a lot of different levels i think i think that if there was one record that all death fans could agree on it's probably human yeah i mean i really you know unless they're really super old school guys that think scream bloody gore is where it's at but well but that's what i mean i think even the old school guys could almost find the the heaviness of human to be pleasant enough mm-hmm. that they could get into whereas like they're not going to get into individual thought patterns and they're probably yeah. going to be too perplexed and, and i think symbolic's too melodic 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and Sound of Perseverance is too long. You know, like they can't. You know, no one could wrap their head around. Sound it. of Perseverance, not to get on a on a tangent, but has some of the best drum production. Oh, it's I, freaking I amazing! Love that. Yeah, stuff that Richie does on stuff, there. Yeah. yeah, but it, but you know, what I'm saying, I'm saying, like this is to me, this is the all star, you know, death yep. record for I think most people, because even you know, if Leprosy was not technical enough for you human's gonna do it for you you know and most leprosy fans like human most scream bloody gore fans like human mm-hmm. but this also i think attracted people that maybe weren't into like the bludgeoning kind of death metal style you know yeah this is a record you could probably have thrown on for musicians non-metal musicians or non-death metal they're musicians. Enough. And, yeah. and it would have gained a little bit of respect they would have said mm-hmm. yeah these guys kind of know what they're doing you know musically so but uh, anyways, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things kind of happening on there. You know, Secret Face had those those badass, like, pinch harmonics mm-hmm. that really had, like, the My Dying Bride. I mean, My Dying Bride was probably listening to this record, you know. Oh, yeah, and pinch harmonics, that's that's like a, another level on the the scale of, uh, not necessarily of progress, but of guitar maturity. Sure. Because I've been messing around with guitar for, you know, years now. I don't. I don't play very well, but I have mastered doing the pinch harmonic, which I play the hell out of. And I, you know, if I was doing like a solo or something, I'd definitely be throwing those things in. Sure, sure. Sorry, I was just distracted by the industrial factory outside of our town. <laughs> We're recording this live from Birmingham, uh, England. Oh, yeah. Trying to get in the death metal, you know, the metal spirit of the moving machines and factories and things like that. But, uh, the next the next set we're going to hear is is a pretty uh, pretty tight set of music. We're going to open with um, the flattening of emotion, which is the the opener for for human, which really informs you where you're at with like sort of just the building like drum patterns and rhythmic mm-hmm. patterns and stuff like that. And then they sort of start to build like all the music kind of into it a little bit. And really pay attention to the cymbal work. I mean, it's very gentle. It's very like eloquent stuff that they're doing. Well, yeah, the drums in the drum beat or the drum. Basically, the the one constant throughout the entire record is the same, like incredibly fast double bass patterns. And he's like where uh, where uh, Andrews. That was his only place where he really showed any kind of variation was within his double bass doing patterns. a little double bass yeah stuff, he could do yeah. like some Lars you know kind of stuff from Metallica once in a while like a little bit of one yeah kind of thing but uh yeah Reinhardt just plays that consistently through like you know balls out top speed and but then, then accentuates and then with accentuates everything with everything else, else. Yeah. like sometimes you're not even you don't even are not even hitting a snare it's just like this this, this texturing of symbols yeah stuff. so really good stuff it's it's a it's a pretty cool tune and then together is one uh which is I, you know, I don't even know. Like, it's just a great tune. I don't know. There's nothing like. There's nothing that stands out about it as being like totally special. But it's I don't. To it me, it's fits, like really it, it representative. It fits right there, and it, 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 fits, it fits great with the flow of the record. It's like you know, rain and blood. You take any one song out, it's it, not, it, it ruins doesn't, it. Kind of ruins the flow. Exactly. And then uh, one of one of Mark's favorite tunes, and a tune like I. It's funny. Like I think when I listen to Humans, sometimes. I get through like the first six or seven songs and don't always make it to the last tune on this record, which is unfortunate. That's yeah. Vacant Planets. Uh, or actually, no, I'm sorry. We're going to hear Cosmic Sea first, then end with Vacant Planets. But uh, we'll talk more about what's going on in Cosmic Sea, which is an instrumental. We haven't done a death instrumental yet, but there's some some cool things happening here. And if, uh, if you've ever wondered what Cynic kind of sounds like, I think you're going to get a sense of it from part of what's going on in Cosmic Sea, this mm-hmm. instrumental, because it really informs of, of uh, what's happening. And then uh, we'll close things out with Vacant Planets. So enjoy a foursome here from Death Human.
All right, that was Vacant Planets, Cosmic Sea, Together as One, and open things up with Flattening of Emotion. And uh, Vacant Planets is a really cool tune. Hey, creature, get out of here. Being attacked Damn by creatures. Cats. Yeah, alley cats in Birmingham with industrial factories. It gets pretty rough. But um, the the song in particular that I wanted to mention real quick before we kind of close things out is Cosmic Sea, which was the instrumental where kind of you get the trade off between the two guitar players mm-hmm. and stuff. And when I interviewed Chuck, I asked him if he'd ever consider playing like an instrumental like that or voice, voice of a Soul from Sound of Perseverance Live. And he said, "There's no way we could do that because of the, like studio trickery." He goes, "We like recorded like three or four different like guitar parts and we're blending them all together looping it all and, and doing a lot of a little co- copious <laughs> amounts of, uh, of of drugs when they were kind of doing that and they even played like some of the stuff like backwards tape loops and different things mm-hmm. so it's kind of neat to, to hear you know death go into such experimental territory so quickly uh, especially from kind of the plotting stuff that you hear like on leprosy and spiritual healing yeah. you know a year or two before and, uh, and then Vacant Planets really you know has some stunningly progressive technical kind of almost psychedelic kind of solo mm-hmm. stuff going on for it but uh we're gonna close things off with probably the most recognized tune probably along with suicide machine from this record the hit single if you will uh lack of comprehension this is probably the one i listen to the most just because it's it's three and a half minutes of just sort of like bliss yeah glory you know if anyone was to ask me like what a quintessential death song sounded like in under four minutes, I'd probably play him Low Life. What's <laughs> Low Life? Yeah. I'd play him uh I'd play him Evil Dead, you know, mutilation, oh, yeah. you know. But uh lack of comprehension is just it's tight and, and the the stop start stuff is probably at its at its best here. It, say, it's it's done to good effect, it's not just done just because they can. Exactly. But uh, yeah, tell us what you think. You know, if we uh, if there's a death song that we missed, uh, or you know, personal favorite, if we played the right ones, in your opinion, and tried to capture the spirit of this uh, very middle era of death. You know, I mean, Human is sort of a career highlight for most bands, and it's really just the stepping stone to a couple, I think, of bigger places that death's going to go before before they're all kind of done. Yeah, well, so, before Chuck's done. But yeah, before unfortunately Chuck's uh, Chuck's done, but um. Anyhow, you send us an email at uh, requiempodcast at gmail.com or you can drop us a line at uh, TalkShoe or iTunes. Uh, or visit it, our website, uh, requiempodcast.com. Yeah, we keep forgetting. But, uh, yeah, there's some comments on there, uh, comment pages. Just click on, uh, drop a comment. Yep, start every some episode controversy. You can, uh, you can either yell at us or say, hey, that was cool, or uh, I want something different. Yeah, and plus we're going to have some, uh, some links up there, right? Yep, we've always got links in the show notes. If you'd like to help the show out financially, uh, you could buy any of the albums through our Amazon affiliate account, which helps us pay for web hosting and whatnot. So if you don't have human or spiritual healing, this is a good time to to go and round out the death collection a little bit. And get them used at a reasonable rate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, anyways, uh, here's Lack of Comprehension for you, so enjoy uh, for Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Mark.